You are listening to Pangea Cast, the digital voice of Pangea Church in Seattle, Washington. We are a church that follows in the way of Jesus to inspire others in the way of love. Visit us in person on Sundays or online at seattlepangea.com. I um, wanted to just share that today the nature of the sermon is heaven. Uh, there's going to be some content that is heaven. I'm dealing with death and pain and suffering. And so we have this vibe around here at Pangea that we always want you to feel free. We, we don't expect you to sit through something that's going to cause you to feel things that you don't really feel like you need to feel for the next week or two. And so if there's any time that you just want to take a breather, um, whether that's at the start of the talk because you already know, or if it's halfway through, there's a couple ways that you can easily naturally do that. One way is just kind of to walk, you can go to the back, you can walk around the block, do whatever you need to do. There's coffee and stuff in there. So there's multiple ways that you can just feel free to get out and go. We want to make sure you have that invitation this morning. So with that, I want to invite up the man, the bishop, the Perry, Eagle. Yes. So good. Thank you, man. Yeah. Honestly, I've never had quite a disclaimer like that before I speak a message. So it really kind of uh, makes me uh, sensitive that some of the things I'll talk about this morning are, uh, are things that are, well, let's just say it this way. It's stuff we all go through. And it's quite, uh, this message this morning is quite testimonial. It's quite confessional. Because in many ways, I want to recap what God has taught um, me and my family to certain extents over, over the course of the last uh, 18 months of our lives. I, am, I can't remember the last time I had my entire family with me uh, when I preached. It used to be that when I was a church planning pastor like uh, Kurt and Lauren, that they were there every Sunday, but they're grown up and they've gone different ways. And so I'd like to introduce my wife, Marta, all the way down there at that end, and then my middle daughter, Katie Ann, and her boyfriend, Noah, and then Maddie, my oldest, is, uh, is here, and then Sophia, my youngest, who just last night graduated from Seattle Pacific University. <laughs> Woo-hoo! And so, uh, and so as I kind of recall parts of our story, this is Sophie, Maddie, and Katie Ann, and Marta, and uh, you can pick up the story along the way. The scripture I want to begin with reading is, is from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5. And uh, Romans is a, a thick and heavy theological treatise that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote down to uh, really capture his systematic or his comprehensive uh, theology uh, for the church and then uh, send it off to Rome. First part of chapter 5, I want to read the first five verses. And Paul is talking about the nature of having faith and hope in the midst of hard times. So that's just a a very, uh, that's just a little bit of the context of this. So beginning with chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that our sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, I've, ta- I've titled this message uh, Unchosen Lessons because the lessons that we have learned in the last 18 months are none that we ever would have chosen. You know, And I don't know if you've ever been there, but as, as I start to talk, you will like go, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. And uh, like Kurt says, if you need to get up and walk around and stuff, people do that while I preach anyway, so I I won't even know the difference. Uh, Leave and go somewhere else. Um, Unchosen lessons are contrasted to chosen lessons. And we have access by by going online, YouTube or or Google or whatever, to choose whatever lessons we want to to pick and, and go on say, how do I do this? Well, one of the things, since Sophie is moving into, what's it called, a micro-apartment? A micro-studio. It's about the size of the bathroom downstairs, the entire thing. But it does have a loft. And so she wants to get a pet, and we we're trying to think about, since it has just a ladder, not really stairs, we we're trying to think of ways in which we could get a little dog into the loft. Now, Dad comes up with ideas like a catapult, you know, just kind of like, or a, with a Velcro wall and a little thing, it just kind of sticks, and you go up there and, and let the dog loose. Um, and, and you can go, literally go on Google, YouTube, and they have like some examples. There aren't a lot, so if you want to make uh, maybe not a million dollars, but $10,000 in Seattle, figure out a way to get a pet up to a loft. So one had a little, like, bulldog that was sitting in, on a, a little plastic thing in one of those little things that goes up the stairs along the side, and he's just, like, going like that. They have other things where you, you can put a uh, harness on them and put it on a pulley and kind of pull it up, you know, as it does this in, in the air. Um, but, you know, it's one of those chosen lessons. You're like, oh, we've got to figure this out. We're figuring out that you probably best just to get a dog it's easily t- carried or put in a backpack and you just climb up the, the stairs. But we'll, we'll see how that works. Chosen lessons, you go to school, you graduate from college, and you have lots of things that you've decided that you want to learn in order to further your life. It's when it comes to those unchosen lessons that we start to fig- try and figure out what in the world is God up to in my life. And so on January 16th, 2018, and I'll keep an eye up here, uh, many of you may have heard of the quarterback and, uh, at Washington State who was the presumptive starting quarterback in uh, the next season. Tyler Holinsky was actually our quarterback from our local high school in Upland, California. He was uh, actually Sophie's boyfriend in high school, and we received news on January 16th that he had taken his own life. And it was one of those times, still remember where I was, I was on a treadmill at uh, Crunch Fitness in Upland, and I was, I was there, 
And Sophie, I got news from Sophie that, that this had taken place. No signs of mental illness, no signs of depression, just a person who decided that life was no longer worth living. And this, the loss of Tyler, did you do the other one before? Okay, this is it. The, the, uh, the loss of Tyler was uh, a part of our lives. I mean, you know, every time I look at the basketball goal in our backyard, probably the last time I shot baskets was with Tyler a number of years back when he was in high school. But for his family, for his friends, for his teammates at Washington State, it was one of those times that you just don't expect. And it sends your life swirling into this whole place of unchosen lessons, as I have come to call them. So what I want to do this morning, and with my family here, in a very confessional, uh, personal, testimonial way, I want to share with you some of the scriptures that God has ministered to our lives over the course of the last uh, 18 months that have helped us move through and maybe miraculously in many different ways has made us better for the kingdom of God if, if you believe that God can do that. So I have five unchosen lessons that I want to share with you in the next few minutes. Uh, first of all, pain happens. Pain happens. And there is, uh, I use the word pain here. The word that Paul uses in Romans 5 is suffering. I really just kind of use them inter interchangeably because in our lives we've had pain, we've had suffering, we've had disappointment, we've had loss. And I just, I just put them all in a big gobbledygook of stuff that this is some of the stuff that happens in our lives. My oldest daughter, Maddie, when she was 12 years old, she was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. And what that means is that, for those of you who don't know about that, that means that your pancreas stops, and stop me if I get it wrong, it means your pancreas stops producing insulin, and then you have to artificially take insulin from the outside because your body isn't producing it from the inside. And so we had to uh, begin... Uh, at the beginning, giving Maddie shots, and then after that, her giving herself shots, and we thank God for the, the gift of technology of, uh, of a little insulin pump that she, uh, she carries with her all the time. But, but when that happened at age 12, I still remember the trying to figure out and, and her taking her, her uh, blood tests and figuring out that her blood sugar level was off the charts and we were just kind of getting things together to go to the hospital to, to take care of that. Nothing we'd ever expect, the age of 12. Um, and we still remember that uh, uh, Maddie was sitting on the patio, and we, we found a little kitten. Of all things, we found a kitten between the water heater and the wall that was just tiny, and, we and, and Maddie was out there sitting on the patio holding this little kitten. I mean, we're not really cat people, but God must have thought, you are cat people now. So, um, but, but the verse that came to mind during this time was John chapter 16, verse 33. The words of Jesus when he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
that, that amazing contrast of Jesus telling us the way the world's going to be. You will have trouble. And, and uh, honestly, uh, we, we decided to, um, we're going to name the cat, so we named the cat Trouble. So Trouble was with us for many years before Trouble left and went to someone else's house. But, but um, you will have trouble, Jesus says. And in the, in the midst of this, Jesus says, but I've overcome this world. So somewhere in the midst of uh, pain happening, somewhere in the midst of that, Jesus says, you can find a place to know that I have overcome everything that you are going through. In terms of, of Tyler, what Tyler taught us, what his, his leaving us taught us is that um, suicide is at epidemic proportions. I was, I was unawares. We literally live in the midst of what has been described as an epidemic of despair. So you walk around a place like Seattle, and you, as we went through Cap Hill last night and saw the lines of people outside the bars, it is, it, is a, a, uh, it is the false front of people's lives say, hey, we're out having a good time, and everything's going good, and everything like that. But you scratch beneath the surface of people's lives. And you find out that they're, they're hurting. They've experienced loss and despair. And so uh, youth suicide has gone up uh, drastically in the last three years. Largest increase, I didn't know this, is men in their 50s. And the men are four, ti- more, are four times more likely than women to take their own lives. And this is not to make this a like, so, you know, if you're struggling this morning, uh, call suicide prevention. Uh, You may want to do that, but you also may just want to say this morning, God, this is why you brought me here, and this is why I need someone to pray with me or just talk with me. And that's cool. But what God has taught us, the first thing is, is that we live in the midst of a world where pain happens, and we need to understand that it doesn't stop there, but that we serve a God who says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Second lesson that I and I'm, I'm going to say I and we, because I don't know, you have your own lessons this morning. I speak to my family. But the, the second thing that God has, has taught me over the course of, of this last year and a half, um, and when I say year and a half, it was, it's about a year and a half since uh, we lost Tyler. Pain teaches me that I can't do life alone. I can't do life alone. That as much as I would love to be strong enough and self-sufficient enough and independent enough, ultimately at the end of the day, when bad stuff happens in my life, I, I need other people. And I still remember when, when Maddie was, was diagnosed. Um, it was really hard for us as a family, but especially for a mom who has to redo the entire family's diet and clear out the cabinets, put new stuff in that will lower blood sugars and things like that. It leads to exhaustion and a sense of uh, just trying to figure out how we're going to do this on our own. I still remember how God's church, and that's one of the primary reasons that we have churches, is that God's church gathered around us and ministered to us over the course of the next weeks and months and probably years. I had written that I... Uh, I was a new bishop, and I had written that uh, my letter of resignation because I knew I just I couldn't go on. I, I was just 
you know, I was like a year into this, and we just didn't have the effort. I, I'll never forget that my overseer, his name's Warren, he said, I will not receive this at this time. We as a church will walk through this with you together. And I was like, wow, really? That was, that was at year one. I'm now at year 17. And I just think in terms of when we are not surrounded by and when we, are not, we do not allow other people into our lives, we just go as far as our own strength will take us. But I learned at that point that um, as the church provided meals and, and counseling and encouragement and, and grace upon grace, we learned that uh, we can't do life alone and that that's a good thing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, that we're to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love one another. And it's really to have an other-centered life that I minister uh, in community with other people. And when Kurt mentioned this morning, villages, villages need to be the highest priority of coming together during the week in smaller groups so that we can bear one, another, one another's burdens. So, second unchosen lesson, pain teaches me that I can't do life alone. And let me just say this again. As we've just been here for a few days, but as we're getting into this kind of micro-studio kind of world where lots of, uh, of people live by themselves, I don't know, maybe some people pack three or four people in there, I don't know, but uh, sorry. Uh, see, when your family's here, you know when you have something on your mouth, so uh, thank you for that. <laughs> but in a world, in a, in a place like this, in a world like this, um, there is isolation, and we need to understand that we need one another as, uh, to fulfill uh, the law of Christ, this law to love one another. Unchosen lesson number three. Pain teaches me patience with unanswered questions. Pain teaches me patience with unanswered questions. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9, God speaks to his people and he says this about himself. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. In other words, what, what God has taught us in the midst of this last, last year or two again and again, is that God has thoughts and ways of seeing my life, my world, my family, our lives. He has ways of seeing it that are, uh, are above those that we have for ourselves. I don't like to admit it, but I have an, uh, a finite mind. I like to think I know everything, I can handle everything, but the fact is, is that God has been teaching me and us that God has a, a higher 30,000-foot infinite view of my life and my family's needs. We've all been asking the normal questions through this time. Where is God? What's the point? Um, what could we have done differently? 
in the midst of this, is, especially as I talked to, to Sophie since she had such a personal relationship with Tyler, um, I th- all of a sudden I, re- I remembered uh, a part of a poem that someone gave me in college when I was going through a hard time. And I, I used to journal a lot more back then. And, and I remembered that the journal, I still have it at home, it's called Life Questions. Life Questions, because that's what I was going through as a 22-year-old. So I pulled that off the shelf, and I, I, I turned to that page, and I remembered a wonderful poem that someone gave to me in difficult times by a poet by the name of Rilke, a Dutch poet. And uh, he wrote uh, something called Letters to a Young Poet. But it spoke so much to me, it was as if, as if God was giving me this along with Scripture. And this is what God taught me about uh, unanswered questions. Here's the words of Rilke to uh, a young poet. He says, Be patient to all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. And perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. That was a, those were the very words that I wrote at the age of 22 uh, a dozen or so years ago. That was a joke. That's, it was a lot longer than that. But that, that God can teach us in the midst of our whys and and how, and, uh, and I don't understand, God can teach us that we may not have the answers right now, but that we can live along into the answers if we embrace the questions. And don't try and just like scream at God, but say, God, this is what I've got right now. I have life questions. I don't understand. And help me to embrace these questions and walk me into the future as I embrace these unanswered questions. And for me, and I think Sophie would say as well, this has been one of the lessons that we have learned is that we, man, we don't have everything figured out. And we hate this. And, and we, we wish it weren't so, but this is God saying, I can walk you through these unanswered questions. And I'd say the same thing to you. You may be here, and you may say, I don't even know why I'm here this morning. I don't know, I don't know this guy from the man in the moon. And I, why didn't I just keep walking down to uh, this, you know, the farmer's market? But you're here this morning because to a certain extent, God is saying, I am here in the midst of your answered, unanswered questions, no matter what they are. And it's going to be okay as I walk you through to the answers. So, lesson number four. Pain teaches me to be compassionate towards others. Pain teaches me to be compassionate towards others. And you'd say, I know. Do I really need to go through the stuff I'm going through to be compassionate to others? Well, sometimes, yeah. It's an amazing thing. But here's what the Scripture says, again from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, 
Praise be to the God and Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Is that an amazing thing? Man, that is a refrigerator magnet statement to say that God sometimes allows us to go through things so that we might be comforted and then comfort those around us with the comfort we've received. It is an amazing thing. And so Maddie, I, I've said this a number of times to Maddie as she's, uh, she's been a, a type 1 diabetic now for longer than she was not one, uh, you know, that somehow God has built in her a, a gift of compassion. She is a social work major at Messiah College in Pennsylvania, and there is a sense in which she has a, a special gift of compassion towards people because of some of the things that God has allowed her to go through. I'll never forget when, when I came up in the fall, I think it was, to, to see Sophie, and we were having coffee over at Mabel on tw- 24th, on, you know, 24th and what, I don't know. But it's kind of like your local hangout, one of them. And we were sitting in there, and uh, a lady came in that was, uh, I, I don't really know how to describe her, but she, she had an air to her of kind of desperation, and uh, she seemed in a hurry, and by her dress, uh, she just drew attention to herself. I was like kind of, Tried to catch her eye. She breezed right to me, right past me. Sophie was up at the counter. I don't remember exactly how it went. And uh, the lady, just as quickly, young lady, uh, breezed out, went past me and went down the street, and I didn't think anything of it. And Sophie came over to the table, and she goes, Dad, I'll be right back. I don't know. She put down her glass of water or coffee or whatever, headed out the, street and down, out the door and down the street. And I was like, oh, what? I don't, what's going on? It's about five or ten minutes until Sophie came back. She goes, Dad, did you see that girl? I'm like, yeah, I saw her, you know. I saw her, but I didn't see her. And she goes, yeah, I sat down to her. She was waiting for a bus, and, and she had cut marks all up and down her arms. She goes, and I had to talk to her. And she said, I I don't remember the exact conversation, but essentially, I said, what did you talk to her about? She goes, I just wanted to tell her that she was loved and that there's hope. And she said, and, and she gave her one of the little wristbands uh, commemorating uh, Tyler's uh, passing, gave her one of those and just said, I, w- I want to, this to be a reminder that there's hope and that you're loved, essentially. She said the girl dabbed some tears away from her eyes and said, I just really needed this because I'm on my way to counseling right now. Sophie's just telling me all this, and I was like going, wow. Does God really use unchosen lessons to make us softer in heart towards those who are hurting around us? And I would say absolutely yes, in a variety of different ways. And I was so encouraged that in the midst of our pain together, that God was helping one of my daughters to become more loving and compassionate to those in need around us. And so uh, pain teaches us to be compassionate towards others. Finally, the final lesson, 
Pain teaches me to never lose sight of God's eternal purposes. Romans 8.28, if you've been around church, around the Bible very often, it's a familiar passage. Uh, just a little bit further in this, uh, this letter, past chapter 5. But Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so we know that there is something that we are never to lose sight of, even in the midst of these unchosen lessons, in the midst of pain or suffering or loss or disappointment. In the midst of this, God has for us his eternal purposes. It doesn't feel like it. I still have unanswered questions. I still hate it. I would still choose not to go through it. And, and yet, God promises that his eternal purposes in our lives are being fulfilled. And so, uh, out of their extraordinary pain, uh, Mark and Kim Holinsky, the mom and dad of, of Tyler, formed a nonprofit called Holinsky's Hope. And Holinsky's Hope is a nonprofit organization formed to promote awareness and education, mental health, and wellness for student athletes. As I talked to Kim, Tyler's mom, at the, uh, in the aftermath of this, I said, I know in a million billion years you would never exchange anything for the life of your son. But I said, Kim, I know God is going to redeem this. God redeems broken things. And that through your efforts, you will help people who may ordinarily not have been helped before. And so here's what their, their foundation says. It says, the Holinsky's Hope Foundation was founded in 2018 by Mark and Kim Holinsky to honor the life of their son, Tyler, who died by suicide on January 16, 2018. Tyler was a Division I quarterback at Washington State University, and his death was a shock to those around him, including his teammates, family, and friends. He showed no visible signs of depression or mental illness and must have been suffering in silence. The Foundation's mission is to educate, advocate, and remove the stigma associated with mental illness while funding programs that provide student-athletes the tools to support their mental health and wellness. And so out of the midst of this unchosen lesson, God has uh, arisen this Foundation. I don't think it's a fair trade-off. I really don't as a father. And yet, in some larger way, God is redeeming this situation. And uh, let me just give you one example, and then I'm, I'm going to close. I'm pretty good, right? Okay, good. Um, so I was pre preaching this message in Kansas, because I'm, I'm bishop over all of our churches west of the Mississippi River. So I... I'm in the red states, I'm in the blue states, I'm red and blue, I'm purple all over, you know, that's just who I am. But the thing that amazes me is that politics aside, you go and you proclaim God's word, and people's hearts and needs are just the same across this vast country of ours. 
And so I preached this message, and I got into a meeting afterwards because the pastor's getting ready to transition. I'm a part of that meeting. And one of the deacons who goes up at the end of the service to pray with people, he was sitting next to me. He's a man my age. Um, and he was, he was openly weeping uh, before the meeting started. And, and I'm, you know, in my heart, I'm like going, you know, come, man up, you know. It's not so bad to have the pastor transitioning. I mean, you'll get through this. And then at the beginning, he raised his hand. He said, can I just share something? He said, as I was counseling at the end of, of a bishop's uh, message, he goes, I had a guy who came up there who told me, he said, this was the last act on earth he was going to do. He was going to come to church, and then he was going to go home and take his own life. And he said, because of this message this morning, because of what I heard from God's word, I have changed my mind. And this deacon was able to pray with him and give him some sense of hope that there is a future to be lived. And I thought, God, is that what you do? Is that what you do out of brokenness and hurt and pain and loss? Is that what you do? And God, just by his small, still voice, he goes, You have no idea what I am able to do with brokenness and loss if it is brought to me. And so that was just one Kansas morning a number of months back. And that was just one of the five unchosen lessons that I, and to a certain extent, our family has learned this past year, that pain happens, pain teaches me that I can't do life alone, and pain teaches me patience with unanswered questions. It teaches me to be compassionate towards others, and it teaches me to never lose sight of God's eternal purposes. If I had it to do over again, would I choose the unchosen lessons? I want to say no. I don't want to learn unchosen lessons. But I have, and God is good in the midst of that. I wish Tyler was still here. I wish Tyler's family didn't have to shoulder the weight of this loss. And I wish that Maddie didn't have to be hooked up to this little buzzing machine that keeps her alive, pumping insulin into her life. No, I don't desire any of those things, but I trust God in the midst of those to redeem the hurt and the brokenness. And so, back to Romans chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. It says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And so, I want to close by praying for you and praying with you. I just want to ask in your own heart, what's your pain this morning? Can we help you to bear your burden? Can we pray for you? Because I don't usually, I don't just like, you know, boom, drop mic, and then I'm off down to the farmer's market or whatever. Although we are going to go down there, we're going to have pizza somewhere. But that's, that's not my M.O. And I, would, I was saying, it's, it's Brian. I was just saying, some of you are here this morning, you're like, oh, I just decided to come. I am here available to pray with you. Whatever it is, if you feel like you say, 
I just need prayer for this unchosen lesson that I'm going through, then I'm just, that's why God has brought us here. So let's pray together, and then uh, Kurt's going to lead us at the table together. Almighty God, it is without any sense of irony that I say, you are good. You are loving, you are kind, you are good, you are compassionate. And every morning we wake up, we wake up with the possibility of being able to live for you. That does not discount, O oh Lord, the fact that we go through unchosen lessons. And we don't like them, and we don't want to go through them, but we do because in this world we have trouble. But this morning, God, I pray that, pray that you would help us to take heart in knowing that you have overcome this world. And you have brought the community together to care for one another and encourage one another. And that somehow, Lord, you are redeeming even our darkest, most broken places if we entrust them to you. And so, God, for whatever those places are this morning, I am not, uh, I do not even begin to know what they are. Whatever they are, God, you know them, and we just pray that you administer your hope and your compassion to those places so that the people, all of us who came here this morning go, so that's why I came. Thank you, God. We trust you and bless you and thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.